and welcome to the podcast Biblical Question. We are excited you've taken time out of your day to listen to our podcast. For more information about us, you may visit our website at biblicalquestion.com. We will tell you the web address again at the show's end. We encourage you to open your Bible and follow along as we study the Bible. Now here is your host, Joseph. Well, I certainly am glad that uh, you join us this week for our weekly podcast. We certainly hope and pray that God would be glorified. You as our listeners would really be edified. For more information, like the lady said, we're going to give out more information again at the end of the podcast. Uh, please, please check out that webpage. We've, we've done a lot trying to uh, get it to uh, all work out. We've had some hiccups here and there. But uh, we do have a free ebook, and, and there's just so many little things on the webpage I would really encourage you uh, to go and check out. We're going to continue our series again this week. We've had a lot of good positive comments over the past uh, several weeks, actually, especially this past one. People are making comments about, you know, I never thought about how to properly interpret the Bible or the Scriptures. And it's been really pretty simple. For Everybody seems to be grabbing hold of it anyway. We use the Bible to interpret the Bible. We, Yes, we, we try to, to interpret it through our own human minds and thoughts and ideas, what we've been programmed through media and government and whatever. But we need to use God's Word to interpret God's Word. And we've talked a lot about having a good, really a proper attitude toward God himself and his word what we call the bible and that way that word is revealed to us by god i mean god himself he he really aids us and he wants us to come to know him personally so in today's podcast we're going to pick up some basic uh, beliefs that really underlie for good biblical interpretation so uh, one listener emailed and said, hey, I'm taking notes. Boy, this is really good stuff. So I do really honestly, I appreciate that. Um, it makes this really worthwhile because we really struggle at times to really keep this podcast financially going. And we try not to ask for a lot, but uh, we're really praying that somebody out there listening would really seriously, honestly help us. So uh, God does answer prayers. Again, so our, our goal in this podcast is going to be to uh, underline principles of conservative, really, biblical interpretation. And I really hesitate to use that word because of how it's really used in our society today. But let's just try to take the conservative view here at the moment for this podcast. We will probably get in more into a more open general to maybe even a liberal look at things. And so uh, we'll, we'll worry about that down the road. And you have to forgive me. I really have had a lot of asthma issues lately. And so I'm trying to uh, record this and, and continue being consistent as well. So please bear with me. There's this diversity of views of inspiration. And before we get into all of those details let us think about diversity overall in, in the general views of the Bible and in, in which people actually hold. Uh, many people think there's many revelations given. Uh, some people believe that the Bible is not uh, the only revelation given. 
from a supreme being or beings. Got to make that plural now. Uh, it's uh, one of several revelations from supreme beings, Greek gods, Buddha, whatever. Okay, so that's a real issue. It's a real problem, and when, especially when it uh, gets into the church. And but we we've talked several times about this already, multiple times in more than one podcast. But in this series, we've talked about it a couple times. The Bible contains truth and complete truth from God. The Bible needs to have this mythical elements to it removed. And again, remember, some people really honestly hold this view. I know some personally that really do. And an example might be the book of Enoch. Okay, I've read the book of Enoch. I don't know that it holds anything spiritual that I need. Obviously, it didn't make it into the canon for various reasons. And so, let us, that, that would just be one example. But when we do that, we strip away everything, and we need to keep, you know, except that golden nugget, maybe. We try to keep those. But uh, some Christians believe that there's errors in the manuscripts. And they just simply imply that the composite of the original language or manuscript of our day is it is simply unreliable. We went through that in a previous series. And if you've not listened to that series, I would encourage you when you get time to go back and listen to all that and how accurate and close the Bible really is to the day it was actually written, especially the New Testament. But yet we accept historical documents from other writers around our history that are thousands of years separated when the New Testament is 100 years or less um, separated. So... When you do that, you make everything in Scripture suspect of being something wrong. And we need to be careful when we start making these biblical topics that go against the political winds of the day. And, you know, creation, uh, Mother Earth, uh, keeping everything green. And I'm not against keeping the environment clean. That's not my point. The point is Romans chapter 1, where we we worship the creation and not the creator. And that's kind of what I'm trying to get at here. We need to be careful when we do that. And so, again, some people really question the writers of the Bible. They, they question, is, is it really, is that writer really valid? Is it really John who actually really wrote that gospel account, for example? Did the other apostles really write these books? Did Moses really write those books? Uh, did he write down everything that he's been accredited with? Or did some close associate, secretary, maybe some prophet really write these books? So the views and challenges in the book's credibility come into play for people in the church, and it really should not. We need to understand how accurate these writings really are. And we've had the Old Testament writings for many, many thousands of years. And 
there's CODIS out there, scrolls, whatever you want to call them, that back that up, the dating. So, and then some people just simply think, well, some of this is just not worth being submitted to. Uh, they, they choose to negate the, the authoritative nature of Scripture, that the Bible really has no authority. They, they said there's a, a sense of uh, they don't need to feel it. Uh, the responsibility to submit to its te- the teachings. And again, some examples in our culture. Uh, everybody thinks it's kind of new. It's just really a hot topic. You know, homosexuality. Homosexuality has been around forever and a day. I mean, you can see it in the Old Testament where that was really frowned upon and people were stoned over that. So that's not a new thing in as far as what people do, their simple lifestyles. They, they say, well... I can't help it. I was born that way. Well, God doesn't make garbage, first of all. And two, God wouldn't tell us not to do those things that are against what he uh, deems in his law. And and third of all, he's not going to tell us to do something that we cannot functionally do. So the, the whole of what we're really trying to talk about in the rest of this podcast would be pure, pure, pure rubbish to you if one accepts any one of these preceding views. And so, why bother interpret, which is error-ridden, has no authority, is an old-school religion? Um, why, why would you even bother to even go to church? Why would you even bother to be baptized? Why would you even bother? Unless it's a social club to you. And we're going to be back right after this. Do you enjoy our weekly podcast? Though many of our listeners around the world in poverty-stricken nations aren't financially able to support our podcast, if you are able, we'd be grateful for your help. We offer several ways to help support the podcast on our website. Would you be in prayerful consideration in your cheerful donation or purchasing through one of our affiliates? Thank you for listening, and may He have the glory. Okay, so there's going to be some uh, basic beliefs of biblical interpretation. And so some of these following basic beliefs must be accepted, really, before we could proceed any further with any of our methods of, of biblical interpretation. And that first thing, really, is going to be God has spoken. You know, there's that old saying, thus saith the Lord. Well, He has spoken. The creation would demand that there's a creator. You know, we kind of refer to this right before our break. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. I mean, the creator has spoken to man through other means besides creation. It's beauty. It's designed through judgments of his wrath on evildoers. We can see that. The deist denies that that God's involved since creation. And there's a lot of Christians who believe this type of, of, of teaching. There is nothing in the Bible to, to prove that God has stopped being involved since creation. If that's the case, the prophets, uh, <laughs> Jesus coming, okay? So they're, they, they go on to say that there's really no way for God to reveal His will in his word, or, or even to interpret the affairs of, of man in his universe. I, 
the deist God is a silent God. I mean, think about it. He is there. He's sitting on his throne, and he's just like watching television or something. He is not involved. He knew that we wouldn't make any efforts and to fellowship with him, worship him. Uh, you know, you think about Isaiah chapter 3, verse 6. All of us have gone like sheep astray, each turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity to fall on him. Okay, that's a messianic psalm about the Messiah. And the scripture says, he has spoken. Again, I used this example a minute ago. Thus saith the Lord. There used to be a denomination that used to have that hanging all over their classrooms, saying what part of thus saith the Lord do you not understand? Those have not been on their walls for years, by the way. But Peter will tell his readers, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. I'm in Second Peter chapter 1, for those who are following along here. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they carried along, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Excuse me. So, therefore, God has really has spoken through men of his choosing. He chose the apostles. He chose Moses. He chose other prophets. Okay? So the Bible is God's revelation of his will, of his desire for us. The Bible, again, claims to be God's revelation. Just, we just read that. So God revealed his word. He, it resides in the Bible. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do you would really do good to, to look at this initiative that God spoke to us first. We never spoke to God, really. I mean, think about it. it. So we need to pay attention to what God says. Oh, somebody's going to email me and say, well, I talk to God all the time. Um, he's giving me all this money and well, Well, I don't know. Have you shared it with other people? Are you spreading the gospel with that money? You know, uh, this health and wealth idea of gospel if this is really a true teaching of the Scripture, then so many of the apostles uh, need to, to ask God, hey, you really did us wrong because we lost our lives, we lost our businesses, we were headed places. I mean, look at Paul. He, he, was, he was on the high road to somewhere, and it wasn't prison, and it wasn't losing his head, it wasn't being crucified or stoned. Okay? So... God's Spirit inspired men to speak and to write things down. The Spirit searches the, the mind of God, and, and, he, and He takes those concepts, which were of God, the deity, and He gave them to a man in a form, in a such a way that we can understand them. Why would God tell us to do something we can't understand? That's just honestly, think about it, people. Uh, if you're a parent and you tell your child to keep their hand out of the cookie jar and they don't, what part of that did they not understand? Okay? Now, that's pretty a simple analogy until, you know, the little girl Melissa says, well, Mom, you know, um, 
I wasn't really going to eat that cookie. I put my hand in there and smelled it, but a tooth caught it, and I knew that Dad wouldn't want to eat a cookie that already had a bite in it. So I just ate it. I mean, uh, what part of this are we failing to understand between parent and child? Paul has written about the gospel of Jesus, and he says by reading the gospel, you can understand what God says in that gospel message. Before Christian times, God spoke to, to man of, of old through what he called the prophets. Turn with me, if you have a Bible, to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 1. We have Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, the prophets, in many portions, in many ways, verse 2, in these last days... He has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. Through him also he made the world. Okay, so again, some of these people were Moses, Samuel, David, Isaiah, Amos. I mean, these men spoke to the people of their time. They spoke the word that was revealed to them from God in a particular people in time, and they wrote it down. For their use, and does it have application to us today? Absolutely. Okay. Again, if if the Old Testament prophets and other writers who wrote things down have no application to us today as Christians, then how do we even know a Messiah is coming? How do we know that? All Christians need to understand that we have a complete book. We have a complete book. Book, excuse me. I mean, John chapter 17 is where I'm headed. You know, the words of Jesus are not just recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus says something else that most people miss here in John 17. I'm going to read verse 8 and then verse 14. So bear with me if you're following along. For the words which you gave me I have given to them. And they received them, and they truly understood that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Okay, so... This word Jesus had given to them had come to them through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And you can read this all the way through John chapter 14 and John chapter 15. Jesus is going to go back to the Father. That's what he says. But he says, hey, look, I'm going to send the Spirit. We, we would say the Holy Spirit. Okay. And that's also in John chapter 16. These men, in turn, will be speaking and writing the very words that Jesus told them. Jesus, I'm guessing he talked and talked and talked for three years, and he put their brains on overload, okay? And so they needed help at the end here. When Jesus goes back, they're not going to remember all this. They're lost, Jesus is the God has been in the flesh right in front of them. They probably miss him. 
they missed the the fire that they felt in their hearts when he spoke. And so the Holy Spirit comes and takes care of that issue. All the New Testament writers claim inspiration is by the Holy Spirit to speak and to write things down. You can see that in 1 Corinthians, 2 Thessalonians, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 3. You can, you can read all of those things. And so we're, we're going to do that here in just a moment. I want to, to go to a break real quick, and I want you to have a Bible close by if you can. Do you enjoy our weekly podcast? Though many of our listeners around the world and poverty-stricken nations are not financially able to support our podcast, if you are able, we would be grateful for your help. We offer several ways to help support the podcast on our website, biblicalquestion.com. Would you be in a prayerful consideration in your cheerful donation or purchasing through one of our affiliates? Thank you for cheerfully helping us tell a worldwide audience about the Word of God. Okay, and so in previous podcast series that we had, uh, we made a comment that our, our manuscripts are, are close to the originals. I mean, this original text has been passed on to us in, in really, honestly, pretty good form. Uh, this takes us to, to accountability-type uh, areas. And there's this word called canonicity. It means a higher criticism. To, the study is of individual books that we have. So, for example, uh, somebody would say, does it belong in the total text? Or is it a book that does not belong there? Canonicity, C-A-N-O-N-I-C-I-T-Y. Okay? This should ask this, and I referred, like example, to the book of Enoch. Uh, there's the Gospel of Thomas. There's several of them out there. And this is how the original church fathers decided if that particular book needed to be in the canon or not. Uh, this transmission idea deals with the text of the book itself in, in its original language. There is considerable agreement among conservative scholars, okay, that we have in our Bible is indeed what is represented there uh, to be from the original writings of the people that God spoke to through inspiration. We have it. There's a higher criticism of studies of canonicity. In other words, does the text agree with the rest of the biblical text? A lower criticism, sometimes called a textual criticism, uh, it, 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 that attempts to establish the text. There, there's, there are a thousand variances of readings and, and variants of passages and various things in the manuscripts that we have in what we call our Bible. So 99% of the text that we have, honestly, is unquestioned. And people always seem to go to the 1%. So the major doctrinal, there should be no major doctrinal, let me rephrase that, belief, affected by the variances in any way. But somehow or another, we seem to have them. 
But when we rely on our Hebrew and the Greek text from which these translations really are made from, which we read in the English or other languages, uh, for example here, the King James Version was translated into English in 1611. In the following 350 years, we have found many more, more excellent manuscripts to add to what they had already translated in the King James Version. If you go to the website, we have a link there about the history of the English Bible. You really ought to listen to it. A lot of people uh, do when I know there's a new listener, because that's one of the first ones they seem to go to. But our modern translations, which are made from many manuscripts, are remarkably in line, really, with the King James. So we can secure our believing that the Bible, the text, is completely reliable. It is amazing how close to the Greek our modern translations really are. Now, there's going to be some exceptions here, and I'm going to give you one. And if you want to do a word study, this is a good one to do. In Revelation, it says uh, Jesus is speaking. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door knocking. Well, it doesn't really say that in the original Greek. It implies it. But to our culture, that's what people do in the Western world. They knock on a door. But when I was in the Eastern culture, they didn't do that. They would stand out on the street and say, Hey, preacher, are you home? And this is kind of what it really says in the Greek. Behold, I stand at the door yelling. And so Jesus is not whispering, he's yelling. But back to our our topic. The Bible has really been accurately translated. That's what I'm trying to get at. And so, unlike these critics whose knowledge of the original language is limited at best, translations, not paraphrases, are usually done by a, a committee of of really sound biblical scholars. These people actually really know the original languages of the Scripture. That's what they've done all their life. They have studied those languages, the Greek and the Hebrew. And I I know a man that sat on the uh, Zonoran board for many years before he passed away. And they took that serious. They also know the language into which it's going to be translated so they can put it together more accurately so it makes a little more sense. Thus, again, my example about knocking on the door. So, 47 men translated the King James Version. 47. Okay, you can go to a search engine and check it out. 101 scholars translated the American Standard Version, okay? So, nearly double of people from one version to the other. So, some translations, they are better than others. But the translation of of one translation might choose a slightly different philosophy in, in their translation, And this is why I always stress to people when they get a new Bible to read the preface. It will tell you what these people did and how they put it together, why they did what they did. 
It will really actually help you understand your version that you're reading. The American Standard Version, for example, it chooses the philosophy of this word-to-word translation. In other words, they want it to be so close to the Greek that you can almost bank the, the farm on that is a correct translation of the Greek. But here's the catch for a lot of people, especially today. It has a college reading level. So does the King James Version. And most people today that I work with, uh, they, they have a 7th grade English level reading. And I'm not criticizing. It's not a criticism. That's because newspapers, magazines, articles on the Internet, they all are written in a 7th grade English level if they're in the English language. Okay? The New International, NIV, very popular version, is written in the 7th grade English level. But the people who put this together, the scholars, they attempt really to capture uh, the thought. Not so much word for word, that's their philosophy, but they called it dynamic equivalent. And I know the NIV, again, was one of the most popular versions of the English uh, because of its reading level. Uh, today, it's the English Standard Version. It's really gained a lot of traction. And it's actually probably 7th, 8th grade English level. It might be a little higher. But it's really an excellent version. And most people can read it and follow it and understand. And it is very close to uh, the word-for-word and in a reading level that's compatible to the NIV. Again, you can find this more information about that on a podcast that we've already done on the webpage. So, again, these men in their English translations are really a good pool of knowledge. I mean, they really honestly know the language. Now, that doesn't mean there's not errors in translations. There's errors in every translation, even you King James only guys, okay? There's errors in that. And some translations are better than others. But the errors, even in their best, you know, they to have this version come out with some type of errors, this codis, this handwritten scroll, uh, and to be able to read it in the, in the original language, I mean, it's amazing. Again, these guys have done a good job. And you're going to lose something when you go from the original language to another language translation. Simply going, uh, someone's going to have this, uh, these problems. Again, knocking at the door uh, versus yelling at the door. Okay? Anybody who knows a second language knows that some words are not in the other language. There's, and so there's this struggle to, to get this accurately as possible. And you lose something when you go from the original language and your translations into another language. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. That doesn't make the Bible wrong. It doesn't make it untrustworthy in your language that you're using. Anybody who listens to the English language and listens to me talk long enough, I know that, boy, there's a lot of uh, different words that can be used for the same, has the same idea sounding, but has different meanings in the English language. Uh, 
The English language is the most complex language, I think, in the world. Now, somebody might I think somebody said there was another one, uh, a European language, to me the other day, and it's very possible. I just know the English is very complex. And I say that because I'm married to a, a lady whose language, English, is not her first language. So how does a house burn up when it burns down? How can the sky be blue and the wind blue? Okay, So it's a context thing, how it's spelled. And so going from Greek to English sometimes is a very difficult thing to do. And it would be with other languages as well. The best way for someone who does not know the Greek or the Hebrew, because this is where somebody's going to say, ah, I ain't going there, I, I, is to study the Bible, okay? And study from uh, an English level that you read, you understand, and get several other translations. They make parallel Bibles, and in doing so, you can start to kind of get the idea and grasp the meaning in, in, in most cases. And, and there's other, you know, Strong's Dictionary, the Greek Dictionary. By a, you, I have one. It's a Bible that has all the Greek uh, strong numbers to the words that are a little more difficult to understand, may not know what they're meaning. And you go to your Strong's um, numbers, and it tells you what that word means. And some of that stuff you could probably find online for free. Uh, I know our affiliates sell them if you're interested in buying that kind of thing. So, but the bottom line is this. The Bible contains no errors. The Bible has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. We've already talked about this earlier in the podcast several times. But a host of other passages could be brought in to establish all of this. I think 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, you know, we talked about that earlier. It says so. The Corinth passage speaks of what we call a verbal and complete inspiration. Each word was chosen by the Holy Spirit. And I know some people have suggested that the concept of uh, what we call thought-only inspiration, and this denies individual word of inspiration. So what I mean is thoughts are only expressed exactly by exact word choice, maybe a better way of putting that. And if the thought is inspired, this is my thing, uh, so are the words. Okay, and so if the thought is inspired, so are the words. Because the individual words are inspired. The Bible, again, listeners, is free from error. It is infallible in its original writings. The Bible is complete. The Bible is final. The Bible is sufficient. Think about this. Jesus' grave is empty. A triumph over death. Raised once, once, excuse me, which is sufficient. It is complete in every aspect. Turn with me to Jude. That's the little one page right before the book of Revelation. Everybody knows where that book is, so just go to the beginning of Revelation, one page over. There, there will be Jude. 
There is no chapter. It just a couple of paragraphs long. Jude 3. And here is Jude. He writes this. Dear friends. So he's writing to people that he knows in the church. Although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to control, to contend, to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints. Now, I have a couple of listeners that don't understand the word saints. We've been talking about it, and that's okay. The word saint simply here means Christian. If you're in Christ, you're a saint. You're worst in the blood. And see, and Jude is written before 70 A.D. Now, some people would say 100 A.D. I'm not going to argue and get into this big dog fight over 30 years. My stand is this. Everything that we have in our New Testament was written before uh, the, the temple is destroyed by Rome in 70 A.D. This would have been such a huge event and anybody who was alive at the time, they would have, it would have been wrote down, okay? We would have that recorded in our New Testament. Because these folks are coming out of the background of Judaism. So by the end of the first century, very clear, <laughs> any inspiration, any revelation from the Holy Spirit is over. There is no more. Despite what people try to say today, that God gave them a new revelation, it's not in your Bible, you're just going to trust me. Uh, no. <laughs> Jude says, we're done. It's over with. Okay? So, the faith as it's called has been given to you and me. It has been written down. It is complete, and we have everything that we need. Uh, the Apocrypha, and there's other writings uh, have not been reputed as being scripture. There's no serious scholar considers them part uh, or in par with what is in the Bible. Now, the Apocrypha is great Jewish history. If you really want to know what goes on between the Testaments uh, and the wars and the struggles that the Jewish people went through, it's you'll get it in the Apocrypha. There have been no new revelations. Again, I, I I said 70 A.D., but if you want to go 100 A.D., that's fine. So Joseph Smith, Ellen G. White, uh, Charles Russell, uh, there's others out there more modern. If I mention them, uh, I'll get people emailing. But they are not inspired prophets. There's no new inspiration. Be afraid and be very careful when people you're listening to claim they have something new from God. Okay, and that, anybody who's really studied the Bible, that would automatically be a red flag. The problem is we have a biblically ignorant society. We really do. Uh, because many people have never read the Bible from beginning to end. They read their favorite chapter, their favorite book. Uh, they go to church and hear the same sermons over and over again. For such a short letter that Jude is, I mean, it's only 25 verses, okay? It is loaded with valuable information that really is timeless. I, I mean, again, I, I refer to a congregation comes to mind when I was up in the north. 
we were going to study the book of Proverbs, said we'll be in it for a year. Well, six weeks into it, they were bored. Little did they know, I spent six months with another congregation and chewed 25 verses. Okay, so it's timeless. It's full of really valuable information. And so these people outside the original writers, they really add nothing to Scripture. Again, the Bible is complete. It is final. It is sufficient. All Scripture is inspired by God for profitable, for teaching, for rebuke, correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy chapter 3 Verses 16 and 17. Peter, in his second epistle, chapter 1, he also talks about the very same thing, that the Bible is God's word for us and we have it. Meaning we have all this sufficient knowledge from God to secure our salvation without anything else until Jesus comes again. If God wanted to communicate his love for us, he could. And he has <laughs> done it through the Bible, through Jesus. We read that earlier. He did so in a language that you and I, uh, with a little bit of effort, we can understand it. This term revelation really means this, uncovering. And in any case that we can understand, the Lord refers to his word in the scripture as Revelation. In the Bible, if it cannot be understood, it is not revelation at all. This Bible, we call it, is authoritative in all religious matters. And since it's from God, and since He is the Lord, His Word is authoritative. And since it is infallible, it is in, it's authoritative. Everything in Scripture demands a response from us. The Bible is full of commands. It's full of examples. And we need to close, closely, closely follow this. This does not just apply to those who the letters were originally written. The applications are timeless for every generation. Jesus says in John chapter 12, turn with me there, we're, we're about to wrap this up. John chapter 12, verses 48 through 50. Here is Jesus. There is a judge. For the one who rejects me does not accept my words, that the very word which I spoke will condemn him on the last day. For I did not speak on my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that this is his command. It leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So listeners, if you really truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is and claims to be and you claim to be a follower of him and trying to do your best to obey his word, you must accept Jesus and his word as authoritative or you have completely rejected him. Everything in the New Testament you had to reject. If you're not going to accept everything, you've rejected it all. And on that basis, his word, the Bible, you know, in Revelation, again, books were opened. Well, I think those are the books of the Bible. 
And it's on that Bible, that word, that you and I are going to be judged. Not what I say on this podcast, not what your preacher says, God and God alone. The Bible is the standard in which we will be judged. And this is why everyone should really want to know the correct meaning of each and every word in the context of which the Holy Spirit had somebody write it down. I certainly hope that you're getting this basic understanding. Maybe I've gone a little deeper in parts here. But this understanding of biblical interpretation and we're going to continue this next week. I certainly hope that you will return. Um, I know this is probably a little different from some of the other podcasts that we have done. And we're, we're going to answer questions from listeners again once we're done with this. So please, if you submitted a question, if you uh, offered to let me answer it over the podcast, uh, we will do that. I promise. And so I want to thank you for listening. I, I, I know it's a busy uh, time of the year we're winding down from all the holidays and people are trying to kind of get traction again back with their jobs and school and 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 maybe into a more normal routine and so i do i appreciate the fact that you have downloaded this podcast and listened to it please tell others about us we pray that you would uh, we continue to grow god continues to to allow us to gain more and more listeners check out that web page follow us on social media I, I it would be a great blessing to us if you would do that. Thank you again. I appreciate you listening. May God bless you. May He always have the glory. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to hit the like button and follow us on your podcasting app. Please check out our website at biblicalquestion.com. All one word, all lowercase. In addition, we have a prayer request page, a way of contacting us, a statement of faith, and other resources for our listeners. Do you have a Bible question you would like answered on a future podcast or prayer request? We would be honored to hear from you and add your prayer request to our list so others may pray for you. Subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on our social media accounts. Again, that is biblicalquestion.com. Thank you and may He have the glory.